Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Our guest today is Dr. Christy Zuber, founder and managing director of Aspen Labs, faculty at UC Davis and Northwestern University. And she was the founder and leader of the Kaiser Permanente National Human-Centered Design and Innovation Practice for 16 years. And I also want to add that Christy is a nurse. Christy, welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. Thank you so much, Dr. Clipper. It's a pleasure to be here. And Christy, I'm so excited to be talking with you. And of course, you and I have known each other for a couple years, and you have an amazing and unique skill set. Can you explain to us and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I actually feel really fortunate about what I get to do. I you know, I started out my career as a nurse and over a long tenure of doing many different things, hospital administration, various things, eventually I actually ended up coming into being exposed to human-centered design and design thinking back in the very early 2000s. And it wasn't really um, being utilized in healthcare, particularly in, in healthcare delivery. Um, it was really kind of a practice and an approach to doing work that was very much about understanding people's needs, being really creative about what the possible solutions could be, and then iterating your ideas very quickly um, until you get to something that actually works for people and works for the context of their lives. And it's a fantastic way of working. And when I got exposed to it, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I've tried to work in that way and, you know, and have to an extent throughout my career, but to know that there's actually a real practice around it, real methodologies, mindsets, tools, um, that you can learn and you know and grow in your expertise. You can scale it out to others and and eventually really change the way that your organization or your community works from a um, from an, more of an innovative you know culture standpoint was just radical to me. So that's really what I do now. I did it as you mentioned inside of Kaiser for many years, and um, and now I'm doing it through my own consulting practice. And I just I love it. It's it's, I think for me has, has been the most joyful way of working. So what's fascinating about this is that human centered design seems as though there's a great emphasis on the person. And in healthcare, I understand that we're literally the first industry or the last industry to adopt this. And we are the most human centered of all of them. Yeah. You know, there's some irony in it and, you know, I, I don't know that we're last. I think we're, we're definitely have been more of a laggard, fortunately, not completely last, but, you know, we're close. And I, you know, and I think some of it is we, as I think historically healthcare has been a very paternalistic, you know, very focused on, you know, quality outcomes and all of that. And so I don't want to take that away from healthcare. I think healthcare has been fantastic for safety, for quality, for, you know, doing those things to keep people you know, to help get people well, but the whole, but the experience part of it, you know, do people understand why they're going through the things that they're going through? Do we, do we look at them in the context of their lives and the relationships that are important to them and the goals that are important for them in their lives? 
that's newer. And I think that's really healthcare coming into its own to say, we realize we are a sliver of the context of someone's life. We're not their whole life. You know, I know if you don't have your health, you don't have much else, but you know, people don't walk around on a daily basis thinking about, I wonder when I'm going to be in the hospital next, or when's my next clinic appointment? You know, that's not the norm for most people. We're a, we're a, a pass through to help them live their best life. We are not their life. We're a path to help them live that. And so I think when we talk about human-centered design, it's a wonderful way of putting what we do in the context of someone's life. And I would also add to that, what I learned also very quickly in doing this is there's a difference in patient-centered care and human-centered design. So in patient-centered care, you're really optimizing everything for the patient, which I think sounds really wonderful, but actually what human-centered design does is it elevates that and it also elevates do we understand the um, the care providers and the service providers around them so that we're also giving them the tools, the support, the processes, the technologies that they need to be able to deliver on that service? Um, because it's a really two, two-way street. And if you, you know, over-index one and under-index the other, it's not going to be a sustainable solution. So you need to understand what it is that the, the you know, the patient, that person, their family needs, and what is it that the care providers need in order to to actually make it happen. Well, and as as you helped me understand, um, it's really about understanding that the individual through the eyes of empathy. So truly getting to what is the problem or what is the hiccup that we need to design for or really take a step or five steps back to better understand how is that important to the way that we provide care? And and think of yeah. that maybe through an equity lens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I would I think one of the things that keeps people back from working in this way is they say, well, you know, I've got to go too fast. I don't have time to I don't have time to take five steps back. What's actually funny is if I'm I'm sure, you know, you and others that are listening to this have had many of these experiences where you spend a long time either on your own with a team, with a committee, with multiple committees, working through some sort of solution that you put in place to just find out it just flat out doesn't work. And um, and so I think we we often forget we have so many of those kinds of flops where we just didn't actually, we created a solution for a problem that wasn't actually accurate. And so what human-centered design does is it starts us to say, it's called problem framing. Are we framing up the right problem? Do we actually understand what the problem is? Because if you don't understand the problem, you're not going to have a good solution for it. Or you might develop a great solution that doesn't actually work for that particular problem. So so you need to understand the problem. And that's really what it does. And I think from an equity um, standpoint, to get to your question is, I, I have I have worked across so many um, entities and my team and I have across so many different entities that are really focused on um, how do we bring out the voices of the people that we're trying to to conduct this work for, that we're trying to serve, that we're trying to create, you know, a new world for? You know, I, for example, we did a lot of work with Amnesty International. We've done work with different tribal councils. Um, we're doing work right now with the coalition for um, the coalition for um, businesses that come together. It's called the Global Business Coalition for Education, and they bring companies around the world to try to help solve problems and challenges in education and how do children get access to education around the globe. Now we use a human-centered design approach in all of those things. And 
you know, as you can tell by what those different challenges would be, you know, it's all about how do you bring the voices to people to the table so that one, you understand their needs and two, they're a part of creating that solution. So it's kind of that nothing about me without me approach, but instead of it just being a mantra, it's actually a set of tools and approaches to actually help you make that happen. So if this is such a powerful tool, why do you think we don't use it more? Um, you know, I think that, I think it's it's a matter of time. I think, you know, we slowly are, um, but it's like anything. It's, there's a couple things that hold us back. One is it's a skill set to build. And I, you know, when I do see some well-intended organizations saying, hey, you know, Christy, can you and your team or others come in and do a workshop for us? And because, you know, we're going to change around the way that we're working. So we do this, you know, one workshop. Well, one workshop is not going to fundamentally change everything about the way that you're working. You know, cultures and norms within organizations take a long time to change. And so, you know, what I would say is, you know, understand that this is a path of building skills. This is a path of, of building expertise that you might not have yet. And it, and it just takes a while. One of the things in, in my research, I talk about microclimates for innovation and it's just like saying, I want my organization to be more innovative. Well, that doesn't happen at a flip of a switch if your organization isn't already like that. And so often, you know, what, what you see, and I've, and I've experienced this in, in my, you know, personal work experiences, as well as in my research is it's a great approach is, is getting these kind of really this coalition of the willing, these excited people that want to work differently, that start to learn these skill sets and mindsets and tools and approaches, begin to apply them. And what that does is it helps to show the rest of the organization what it looks like to work differently. And so that's how you then begin to build it. And those people begin to build their skills. And then, you know, others that see it begin to build their skills and it sort of spreads virally like that. And over time, more and more of these kind of microclimates develop. And eventually you'll see, oh, well, our organization is, is actually fundamentally changing, um, but it's a path. And, you know, what I would say to your listeners is, you know, don't be afraid to be one of those change agents that starts your organization or your community on that path. Um, because it just takes a couple people to begin and start learning it, start applying it and, you know, be, be the kind of um, role model in how to work differently that you want, you, you want others to notice and you want others, others to model. So, you know, give that a try. And there are many tools that are out there to help you start learning that. So that's what I really think just starts keeping people back. And if you start down that path, you can really begin as an organization, as a community, as a team. Um, to start to change it, but just, you have to apply it. You can't just read about it. You have to, you have to do it. It's a learn by doing. So it seems as though in healthcare, it's, it's still a little bit of an anomaly that we might have people that are actually healthcare professionals like yourself, yeah. who also get some formal education to begin to understand and apply these tools. Is it something that is becoming more prevalent, you think, in terms of the formal training? And how can people get into those programs or find those programs? Yeah. So, you know, a couple ways. It's it's being integrated slowly into um, other sort of formal academic programs, whether you're getting an MBA or an MHA or a nursing degree, you know, engineering, what have you there, it's starting to be built more into those programs, but you really have to look for it because it's not, it's, it's not uh, assumed that it's across all of them. So you kind of have to look for it, but if you're going through formal education, it's worth asking. Um, there's also a, a number of things that are 
free out there to look at. You need to be really diligent and figure out how to apply them, but it's a great way of, you know, starting to learn and understand. There's IDEO.org has um, a human-centered design um, kind of toolkit that's out there that you can take a look at. You can actually just Google, honestly, human-centered design D-School, Stanford D-School has stuff that's available. So you can look at all sorts of tools. So I think that's a nice kind of passive way of looking. Um, University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, they have um, some free resources available out there for nurses. So those are great passive ways to start looking at what's out there. See if you can apply them. If you need more um, support to apply them, there's lots of different options that are out there. My company has a platform we're building called Pando. That's one that we have tools that you can apply and, and wrap around live training. There's Coursera has um, courses that you can take um, and go through those courses and, and apply. So, so, you know, take a look, look at those things, you know, kind of educate yourself about what you want to do, but you can definitely take the initiative to start learning on your own. You don't have to wait for your employer or your organization. I'd recommend, you know, test drive it, take a, take a look at things and see, see if it, it's something that you want to invest in for yourself. I love that because it is something that will only increase in value, especially as we've come to realize that disruption is here to stay. Right. Now we need to put the pieces together differently. So let's take the time to do that right. Yes. And that means not just problem solving, which is what we do really well in healthcare, except we don't always solve the right problems. Right. Exactly. And you know what, what I think is so delightful is starting to see, you know, when we talk about healthcare professionals, starting to see healthcare professionals invest in new approaches for themselves so that they can have, you know, not just a seat at the table, but a new set of skills to bring to their peers, you know, to show how to do this kind of work differently. You know, we, most of the things that we've learned are very much based on you know, it looks to the past, you know, how do we, how do we take that data and understand what that data we're pulling from the past means? Um, how do we take a best practice that others have done and implement it? Now, those things are all very important, but the future is changing so quickly. You know, when we're talking about, you know, in your podcast, being a healthcare soothsayer, we can't only look at the past and be prepared for the future. You know, we have to start anticipating, we have to start trying new things. And if we don't have the skill sets to be able to try new things, to be able to expand our thinking, you know, we're going to quickly become irrelevant or we're going to at least become less effective than we could have been. And I think all of us are in healthcare because we want to make an impact. So that that's why I think this is so important of investing in yourself so that you can make the best impact from wherever you stand in this world. Well, and you touched on something there that I think is incredibly important. You and I both teach. Yes. And young people have a very different perception of the problems and challenges. They also have an incredibly short patience um, yeah. supply because they demand solutions that we don't just continue to let some of these things fester that yes. have not been good for patients or populations. Yeah. How do you think we can bring young people in to help with these solutions, whether they're healthcare professionals or not? Yeah, actually, I think it's a great question, Bonnie. And that's where I think healthcare, it has some really fantastic opportunities, whether it's 
because you're a young person or whether it's become your, because you're from a different industry. And, uh, you know, there's all these things or, or your voice that isn't typically heard. You know, we were talking about diversity, inclusion, all these different things. When you, when you grab a hold of that and bring, bring people along that are different from each other, good things can happen. You know, great things can happen because you're, you're bringing in a different way of what your life experiences are, how you solve problems, how you look to what's in the future, what you think expectations already are. And, and those things can really help to get us out of our, we talk about De Bono talks about mental valleys, that kind of thinking that, it, that, you know, that's different from yours helps to crack us out of our mental valleys to think about things in a much more expansive way. We, we tend to, to default because that's how our brains work. That's what makes us fast and effective decision makers as we, as we default to our own lived experiences, the way that we've done things in the past. And so having those different kinds of voices and experiences will, will help crack you out of that. And, and that's why I think, you know, approaching things in this more inclusive way with, you know, surprising people at the table is, is it can be really fascinating. And, and that's also where I would say building skills to, to leverage those voices at the table, because it's one thing to bring voices to the table, but if you're doing the same old conversations that you always do of, okay, now we're going to do a round Robin and what does everyone think? And everyone's kind of talking over each other and you have this circular discussion and it ends and nobody knows really what we're doing. What are we trying to solve for? How are we trying things? You're defaulting into the same ruts. And so having these kinds of methods that help to help you apply things to get clarity on the problem. How are you going to do that? You know, are you going to go out and do open-ended interviews with people? Are you going to synthesize that information? Do you know how to frame up problems? Do you know how to queue up, you know, how might we questions to brainstorm? Do you know how to get insight from other analogous industries so that you're not just thinking about healthcare? Do you know how to, you know, do Wizard of Oz prototyping? Do you know how to do paper prototyping or sketch out storyboards? All these things are applicable tools that will help you to actually maximize that diversity, those diversity of voices to make action happen. You know, I, I love that concept because I do think even though we try to be open-minded, I think we get pulled back into the mud. So I Absolutely. think we do spend time where we are and where we're most comfortable. Yeah. And you, yeah. you make me think about some exercises that I've been part of, um, certainly prior to the pandemic, when yeah. you could be in a room and walk around and look at sticky notes and, and things on the walls. And as people would write things down, I, I recall a couple times I actually read comments as we were beginning to describe some problems. And they were things that I had never thought of, because mm -hmm. my life was very different than sort of the individuals that wrote these things down. And right. it made me feel sort of silly that I didn't see that. Yeah. And I think it's so informative and it isn't um, a whose fault kind of thing. It's because my life is so incredibly different. Right. So I think you're right. Just opening the ability to see different vantage points in, in kind of fun ways. I think that is going to make us better problem solvers. I do too. You know, I would say if there was probably one, actually I'd give two things, two things that I, that from an attributes standpoint that I would love for healthcare change agents to have. One is curiosity. So being curious, you know, going, going in and, and wanting to learn from other people, wanting to have perspectives that are different from your own, you know, oh, that's interesting. Not shutting it down because it's different from you or it makes you uncomfortable, but genuinely being curious. And the other I would say is humility. 
because if you're making changes, you're there are going to be times that you're wrong. And if you are always trying to be correct and right, chances are you're not really making any bold steps. You know, you're you're taking small incremental movements. And so I think if people can embrace humility and curiosity, um, it would be a really radically different way of all of us being able to work together. So I think that that's an amazing way for us to think about things in so far as how important empathy is yeah. and how we can better leverage that. So I, I think that's a great place to put a pin in it for today. Yeah. Um, I so love this conversation with you, Christy. And thanks again for being with us today on the Healthcare Soothsayers podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, and shout out to all you healthcare soothsayers. We've got a big job ahead of us. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this great clan. Fantastic. And be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Christy's contact info and to learn more about her work. And thanks again for being with us today. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics or guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.